You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. For this week's podcast, we are looking at the top prospects for each organization. I'm Allison Twitter, and we're going to talk a little Rockies baseball right now with Thomas Harding. Thomas, before we get into the top prospects and the, the Rockies organization, let's talk a little bit about some news, some features that you're working on, and uh, a feature coming up about a couple of starting pitchers that the Rockies hope will fit into the equation this year. Uh, yes, I'm actually trying to put together a feature on Jordan Lyles and Tyler Chatwood. Um, th- those are two pretty good arms, and if you look at their numbers, they pitch pretty well, including at Coors Field. But the problem is, for the last two years, they've been hurt. Chatwood um, blew out his I- MCL and had the Tommy John surgery a couple of seasons ago, but before that, his numbers really looked good at home. And Jordan Lyles, they got him in the trade with the Houston Astros for uh, Dexter Fowler, He's actually pitched well, but he's had freak injuries the last two years. A couple seasons ago, he breaks his non-throwing hand, his left hand, covering the plate after a ball got away from Willene Rosario. And then last season, he had one of those turf toe-type injuries that was just totally freakish. But uh, no arm problems. He's never had an arm problem. So um, the Rockies, who have such a hard time getting pitching in here, it doesn't look like they're going to sign anyone. They still have some trade possibilities, but those two guys coming back off of injury, um, they're hoping that they make a huge difference. Um, everybody talked about them during the Fan Fest over the weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, we're stating the obvious, obviously, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, you can never have too much pitching, and so the Rockies need to stockpile as many options as they can possibly find right now, um, heading into spring training and trying to whittle that down before the season starts, because as we know, whoever makes the, first, the starting rotation, they're going to need at least four, five, six, seven guys on top of that to get through the season. You really can never have too many of these guys that you're talking about to go into a season. Uh, that's true, but they're looking at Chetwood and Lyles not as kind of depth guys, but as guys to help lead the rotation with um, Jorge De La Rosa and Chad Bettis. Now, those guys have never done it over a full season. They've done it in small snippets, but let's face it, when you're the Colorado Rockies, what you need are guys who haven't done it before to come through for you because it's not like you're going to go out and get Zach Grinke or Roger Clemens or or Nolan Ryan or whoever it is. Uh, you, you, you really have to have guys that you think have potential to come through for you. Okay, so let's move on to some players that we could see down the road a little bit from the top prospects in the organization. Of course, the number one prospect is Brendan Rogers, who is a shortstop. His ETA uh, to reach the big leagues is not until 2019, so we still have a couple years on him. Of course, he was um, the Rockies' first pick in the draft just last year, and uh, really he was, he was ranked number one of all the, the draft uh, top 200 entering the draft. He was basically ranked as the top player. So, um, so there's all kinds of things to look forward to with him. It's just a matter of waiting it out. He's only 19, so we have to wait and, uh, until he can really make an impact in the big leagues. Uh, yes, and I'll tell you, when I saw the video of him, and even when I met him, he looked a lot like Troy Tulowitzki. Now, Tulowitzki was still here, but it was almost as if they drafted not just uh, the eventual replacement, but someone to kind of appear as Troy Tulowitzki as his uh, stunt double, I believe. But um, and, and in, at the high school level, he was a man among boys. I mean, you, you saw him 
do some things at that level and you saw the competition and, and it just looked like this was a guy who was headed to pro ball playing against guys who, you know, were hopefully getting a date for the prom. I mean, he was that much far and beyond his competition. But um, when he got to Grand Junction and playing amongst the men and everything, it was a very slow go for him. Um, his high school team, I think, was eliminated pretty early in the season, and he spent most of his time getting ready for the draft. So he had some nagging injuries, didn't do great, although he did homer in his debut there. But you're looking at a guy that has all the tools um, defensively. He's a, he's a one of the modern big shortstop type of guys, about um, six foot six foot one. Um, re- really, really a physical guy, and can hit for some power. Now, obviously, he's going to have to do it um, at the at the professional level. But having a full year to work out, and he works out with D. Gordon and a few other major leaguers. He's done that through high school. Um, you're expecting him to go through some of the growing pains of living away from home, probably cooking his own meals or whatever you do in the minors for the first time. But once he gets the pro pace together, he could move really quickly. I mean, this is this, he deserved to be thought of as the most talented player in the draft. Yeah, I mean, we say, you know, these ETAs are just uh, generalities, of course. And when, a, when a player is taken out of high school, we generally give him three to four years to get to the big leagues. With college players, it's usually a, a couple uh, – it's not quite that long. Um, so, I mean, it could be 2018. It's, I mean, there's no, uh, like, hard number on him. And if he really shows a lot of uh, promise, why couldn't he be in the big leagues at 21 years old? It's not like it's unheard of. Uh, that's true. I mean, uh, usually – um, especially with this team, I think you expect them around 23, 24. They tend to be late, except for the guys that really go through quickly. I mean, Nolan Arenado got up at, what, uh, 21, 22 years old. Um, th- that's, that's part of the thought of picking your best high school player out there. Yeah, the college guy get, tends to get there quicker, but if the high school guy gets there quicker, he tends to have a longer career and tends to stay with his original team longer because it means he's a star and he signs another contract with you. So that's what you're looking for from Brendan Rodgers. I mean, he has a lot to place on a guy to get to the majors quickly and be a superstar when he gets here or a star-type player. But when you draft a guy that high in, in the draft and he's a high school guy, that's what you're hoping for. I mean, you're hoping for someone um, – granted, the Carlos Correas don't uh, – on trees out there, but you're hoping for someone to have an impact like him when he does get here. The Rockies won't rush him, but when he does get here, will he have that type of impact like Arenado or like a Correa has had in Houston? So we're going to skip the number two prospect to get to the number three, only because John Gray is somebody that we have talked about extensively, and we know um, you know everything going on with him, and we know that he has a real chance to um, help this team um, this year, hopefully. So, but we want to talk about some of the other guys. So, number three, David Dahl, an outfielder, um, another interesting guy. Uh, his ETA would be 2017. He's 21 years. Actually, he'll be 22 on April 1st. Um, a former number one draft pick of the Rockies in 2012. So, but he's had a rough going after that. Um, some really bad luck and just trying times. So, what do you see from him um, as as they're moving forward? Well, when they drafted him, he ended up the um, MVP of the Pioneer League coming right out. Then there were some trying times of his own uh, volition, really. There there was a disciplinary suspension the second year when he was to play at Asheville. Then he rips up a hamstring, and it's a really bad injury. Um, but uh, when, when he got back to playing, I mean, you saw a, a guy with a heck of a bat and could play center field. 
And I will, I will have to tell you, when I watched him in spring training, he had a good year at Asheville. They ended up winning the championship. And when I saw that group of guys together, it reminded me of the group of guys that ended up in the 2007 to 2010 era where the Rockies had three winning seasons in four years. I mean, that type of, that, that type of understanding of the game. And David Dahl is a leader in that. Now, last season, you, he started very slowly. I think he put a little bit of pressure on himself at the double-A level. Then he turned really hot. Um, I mean, he was the type of guy that people were wondering, gee, can we see him in the big leagues by the end of the season? We were talking about, what, a 20-year-old kid at that point. But what happened to him was just a totally freak accident. It seems like we talk about those a lot. But he ends up colliding with a teammate for a pop-up in late May. And he leaves the game, and you know a lot of people were thinking, and and, and I'm sure he thought at the time, yeah, I just uh, just got the wind knocked out of me. But then he started turning green, I guess it was, and they rushed him to the hospital, and his spleen was lacerated. Um, the doctors talked about removing it, which would have knocked him out for the season and into the winter. But he's like, no, what? Why don't we? No, the doctors talked about repairing it. That would have put him out longer. But he's like, no, let's just take the thing out so I can get back playing. So they took out the spleen. He, he, he got back playing, actually, and played for a few weeks and hit over 300 in that time. But, uh, but very early in his return to the double-A level, he fouled the ball off of his right knee, and that bothered him all the way through, all the way to the point that uh, they shut him down in August. He wanted to come back for the Arizona Fall League, and the Rockies thought better of it. So he stayed in Arizona working out, and he will be I'm, – I'm expected to see him in big league camp this year – and he's a real key to the future of that club because right now they're having an issue in the, in the outfield. They're going to have to trade somebody, but they ended up having to go out and sign Gerardo Parra because they didn't really have an outfield prospect that was ready. At some point within, uh, whether it's this season or the next season, I'm expecting David Dahl to peek his way into the big leagues, and he's yet another one of those high draft picks that they expect a whole lot out of. They drafted him out of high school in Birmingham, um, he, and he's the type that really rises to occasions. He played on some junior national teams, and he actually performed better, hit for better average, uh, did better on base, and hit for more power in the games with the national team than he did with his high school team. So we're talking about a guy that, uh, that is looking for the top competition. And I, I, I see him, even with the, the issues that he had coming in the pro ball, I really see him as a winning type ball player. And I don't, I don't throw that around lightly about guys uh, because uh, you know, I've covered every level of the minor leagues and I've seen guys, uh, I've seen guys, um, dominate at some levels and then suddenly they reach a point where where not only are they not the best player there but not being the best player actually scares them and they don't perform well i don't see that from david Dahl. i see a guy that can make a difference to a winning ball club and and the fact he doesn't strike out a lot is very encouraging um, for a young player like you said a lot of these guys kind of lose their way when they start, sort of start to come back to the pack a little bit and they're not the best player and then they get with outside of their game strikeouts pile up batting average drops, but the fact that he doesn't strike out a lot has to be a good sign for someone so young. Yeah, it means a lot, but not only that, because a lot of people come into pro ball and maybe they don't strike out a lot of the lower levels, but it's because they're afraid to strike out. He does not strike me as the guy who's afraid to strike out because um, he doesn't have a whole lot of power, but he needs to hit the ball hard because he has pretty good speed. Um, He'll hit a few home runs, but we're looking for doubles, extra base hits out of him. And 
if he's able to do that, then, then he can really be an important player. But you really can't do that if you're afraid to strike out because if you're afraid to strike out, you don't hit the ball hard. You want guys who don't strike out but aren't afraid to strike out. I know it sounds counterintuitive, <laughs> but that's what you're looking for. Okay. That was a very good lesson. Thank you very much, Thomas. Appreciate it. We'll catch up with you soon. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.